0: I was surrounded by the music that I love, people who loved the music that I loved. I was able to just go and explore new DJs, new music, new spaces, and people were just gravitating, or I was gravitating towards the right people. That's when I learned what it means to trust your instinct as a woman, which is very powerful. It's led me down the right path every single time.
1: Hello, and welcome to Hot Girls with me, Lex on the Decks. This week, I have the pleasure of being joined by Lani. Lani is a DJ and a presenter on Worldwide FM. She also works behind the scenes at Brownswood Recordings, which is Giles Peterson's label. But She's also managing an artist as well, so she's got her fingers in lots of pies in the music industry. But what you'll learn through this conversation is that her path has been... If there is a conventional path, that wasn't the one that she took. And I love it because I think there's this idea that careers should be linear. But as you'll see through this interview or as you'll hear from Lani, that was definitely not the case with hers. She had to make quite an extreme change at one point after she decided there was something that she really loved and that she was really meant to be doing. But you know, on reflection, all the things that she learned earlier on were able to help her move forward much faster once she found the thing that she really loved. So nothing was lost. We talk about Buddhism at the start. We talk about how her spirituality kind of guided her. We also talk about going to festivals by yourself. (laughs) And also, Lani gives me a brilliant breakdown of some key artists in the jazz scene today, because I am a little baby entry-level jazz listener. So I really hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. And let's go. Ladies. Ladies, Listen up. You're listening to Hot Girls. With Lex on the deck. It's fire. We're going. We are fire. From London for the world.
0: Let's go in. Look at us with our fancy mics. (laughs) I know. I feel like you've trumped me by having a shield. (laughs) sorry I need it for radio stuff so that's why I went in I had like a really geeky friend who does lots of gaming like YouTube stuff okay I was like oh can you recommend me a microphone and he just sent me all this geeky shit and I was like okay I'll get that one then (laughs) you've done the research I trust you Uh, yeah I literally he's so geeky that I would trust anything that came out of his mouth So I, I'd moved to London first to go to university and that was like three years. And then I moved to Amsterdam and I lived in Amsterdam for eight years. And then I moved back to London and I was like, Oh, I'm sick of London. Moved to Bristol. Thought (laughs) I'm set. I'm ready. I'm ready to settle down. And then I started DJing and you know, I will probably touch on it a bit later, but I was like, I've got to be in
1: London. So I went
0: back to London.
1: (laughs) And I've been here three years now, almost. And did you know many people when you were coming back to London, having spent eight years in Amsterdam? <laughs> were you like, yeah, well, the good, the good thing was, is I had
0: lots of family here and friends from that time. But um, obviously, people, as they get older, they want to live in the suburbs or they move out of London. So actually, everybody who I knew and loved, really close people to me, had moved out of London. And it's interesting because. You know, with the music scene and the people who I'm involved with now, it's kind of like a whole family. So that's one element of it. But also I am a Buddhist and I'm very active in Buddhist organization that I'm a part of. So that's also a big benefit because wherever I go, there's always an SGI and they always have local people who are also practicing. So I can instantly plug in to a network of support. Support.
1: What does MSGI
0: um, stand for? It stands for Sakagekai International, which is a Japanese school of Buddhism or Japanese organization, and it means value creating society.
1: Wow. <laughs> yeah. I suppose I would consider myself spiritual with the teachings and general philosophies of Buddhism kind of being at the heart of what I believe. But I'm, I'm not too familiar with different branches of it and, and kind of how they differentiate themselves.
0: There are hundreds of different schools of buddhism so i went um i was actually fortunate enough to travel in india and i went to bodhgaya which has the tree actually this this leaf is from that tree okay um yeah so I'll
1: just show you. people who obviously can't see it's kind of quite a round leaf We're just like yeah so this is this is the tree, the tree from that you pulled from that tree from the tree
0: where the Buddha attained enlightenment. So this is from that tree. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's crazy, but it's, it's a beautiful place. And there, there's many different temples of different types of Buddhism. So that's incredible because then you see the difference between each one. Yeah. But the one uh, that I practice is Mahayana Buddhism, which is basically the train of thought of everybody is a Buddha and everybody has the Buddha potential in their lives. So whether that's activated or not is a different question, but everybody has, every living being has that potential.
1: Do you practice meditating quite a lot then? Is that part of how you get closer to that part of Buddha within you? It's a type of meditation, but it's called chanting. Okay. So
0: I don't know if you've heard of nam myoho kyo No. So this is the school. It's a it's Nitrindii shown in Buddhism. It was founded in the 13th century, so in the 1200s. And um, so chanting Nam-myoho-renge-kyo is activating so that Buddha potential in your life. And it was founded by a Japanese monk in the 1200s. So that's why it's kind of like over the years developed into now the Sokka Gakkai is an organization that's not really connected to like a temple or anything like that. It's the lay organization. However, it's got the spirit and the heart of revealing your highest potential and also respect for the dignity of life, which has kind of leading on really been a huge part of my journey in music and how. I've managed
1: to survive and thrive. Mm. Well, I'd love to lead straight into that and just understand how long Buddhism then has been in your life and those principles and then where your journey to music began because it sounds like it wasn't like you were 5 years old and kind of banging on the drums. Yeah,
0: I did not know. Well, I did know looking back now, yeah. but I it wasn't it wasn't um so obvious. I had to really fight to see my path in this industry, in this world that I'm now living in, it hasn't been a clear path. So, you know, that by no means the case. I started chanting, you know, practicing Buddhism when I was 19. And, you know, obviously university and I've done a master's as well in social and cultural anthropology. And I thought my life would be directed towards humanitarian work etc mm. i guess in a way being part of the buddhist organization is humanitarian work, because is very much working for people's happiness in the local area i think
1: so but um sorry i was just saying i think so i think because it the messages that it supports and the the work that it does i, I can see that but go on sorry
0: Yeah so then I worked initially in account management and project management and you know that was my world up until moving to Bristol and I was working um, in that sphere and then I moved a slightly like little thing so I was really on that path of speaking like what's my passion what do I want to do how do I want to really use my life and my skills to do something I love, not yeah. just a job. I want to live with my passion. So I was really seeking that because it wasn't even clear to me what my passion was. And so um, obviously I was um, in this corporate environment and quite miserable in the sense of like, it didn't feel true to myself. It didn't resonate with me that I was in this environment. I was like, mm. I'm definitely creative. I need to be around people who are also creative and have ideas and not just drudging along in life basically yeah. you know, it's yeah. just
1: like I think it's quite common in people's lives I think often you see stories of people who are just like yeah I knew it and then that's what I did but I think so many people actually have that feeling inside of them that they're not supposed to be in a space but don't quite know where to go or, or how to channel that.
0: Exactly. I
1: came to a point
0: where I was totally unsatisfied with what I was doing in that world and just thinking, why am I doing this? Why do I have to do this job and I'm not into it and this, that and the other. And then through that, that seeking like, oh, what is that thing that's inside of me that I don't know what it is yet? I came across a DJ course in Bristol. Are you based in Bristol actually?
1: No, I'm in London, but I actually went to university in Bristol. So I know the city well. I, there's a, a collective called Mix Nights.
0: Have you heard of them? I haven't, no. Yeah, so there's a Mix Nights crew and they do women-only DJ workshop, eight-week course. And I just heard of it from a friend and then I let, checked it and just got onto this course. And it's, you know, it's like one evening a week. And then at the end of the eight week, you learn like vinyl or CDJs. And then at the end of the eight weeks, you play at the Love Inn. Did you ever go to the Love In I didn't and still know. there at
1: that time. No. It's like one of my favourite clubs. I was a student, so we had very much like our just student go-to clubs. I didn't really get to know Bristol, the city, I guess, beyond my little student bubble, which was great fun. Yeah, Yeah, had a good time. But I love that. I mean, also great to have a women-only space because it makes it less intimidating sometimes.
0: Oh, I have to shout out the Mixed Nights crew. It changed my life. So I started doing this DJ course and I was learning vinyl I was just like, oh, okay. You know, when you find the thing that you're naturally good at to the point where you don't even have to try, it's just <laughs> that you're naturally, you fa- like, it's the weirdest sensation because, you know, I spent so much of my life, of my, you know, that part of my career really striving to be good or to care about what I was doing. And I was like, oh. but then when you find that thing and it's just so natural, it's just the most liberating feeling because you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's really cool. So through that- You course, learn about expect-
1: yourself through those moments. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is me. This is who I was always inside of me. Exactly. Can I just quickly ask about your choice? Was vinyl an obvious choice for you? Were you always, cause I digi- I go digital. So were you, yeah. were you already a vinyl collector?
0: No. So I wasn't. Um, growing up, I've got to give, you know, my musical inspiration and spirit to my mother who literally has the best taste in music mm-hmm. and not really understanding obviously growing up that me and my brothers were being exposed to this amazing world of different types of music that
1: would it is influencing me now but uh, I've lost my train of thought what were we talking about you were talking about so your journey so you've you found that you've basically started that course and you felt like you would found the thing that you were really good at and came very naturally And then there must have been a moment of, okay, what, what next? Like what happens next? The course ends. You've got this new skill. Exactly. So actually during
0: the course, thank you for being my brain right there. (laughs) That was very helpful. Thank you. Uh, um, Yeah. So during that time, I just kind of started awakening to all of these ideas of things that I was inside of me, but I'd never really uh, awakened to. And during that time, that specific year was like 2016, 2017, I really started going to like festivals on my own. And I started going to parties on my own. And that was mainly because my taste was developing, my taste in music was developing, but No one really, no one that I knew really liked the things that I liked anymore. And I was like, oh, but do I not go to the thing I really want to go to or do I just go? I went to like a festival in Croatia on my own. I was so
1: scared. That is awesome. Tell me what were the scariest parts of that and what were the best parts (laughs) of it? So the scariest part was absolutely the lead up thinking.
0: Basically, I bought a rape alarm. That's how scared I was. I had like a little like rape alarm that I would like carry with me and be like, "Uh," which is, you know, actually quite a sensible thing to do. But I was that scared. (laughs) I was that scared. It was just the thought of spending a week on my own. That's what was scary. And just not knowing the not knowing bit Mm -hmm. of like, who I'm going to be with or what I'm going to do and like where I'm going. Like none of that was known. I just was like, the lineup is my dream lineup. I am not missing this. I'm going to go. Nobody wanted to come with me. What festival was it? It was Dimensions.
1: I was thinking when you're talking about going on your own, it's like you're going on your own, but it's not just you're your most people there are with other people so it's not like just going away by yourself which is I think a hurdle enough for a lot of people but then it's like you're going away by yourself to a place where others have lots of other people that they're there with yeah
0: but in all, in all fairness that was one of the most liberating experiences of my entire life it changed my life because when I got to that festival I was surrounded by the music that I love, people who loved the music that I loved. I was able to just go and explore new DJs, new music, new spaces. And it worked for me. Like, I just want to have a good time. So people were just gravitating or I was gravitating towards the right people. That's when I learned what it means to trust your instinct as a woman, which is very powerful. And I don't know if you have that connection yet with your intuition but during that time I really developed this incredible ability to trust my feeling like that sensation like Mm. you know yeah it's, it's led
1: me down the right path every single time. I feel like I started listening to my intuition about two years ago and sometimes I try and explain to people how I feel like I'm different to the person I was like two years ago. And I think that is totally it. It's just that I listen, I can hear myself. And I I really, really believe that your intuition really just never steers you wrong. And it's when you get too much in your head and you overthink things, that's sometimes where you go wrong. Whereas if you can kind of calm down and listen to yourself, that's when you start to gradually find your way to things. So yes, I, I completely agree. And I think it's something that I definitely consider myself a work in progress. And one of the nice things about lockdown for me, I think, is I've had more time to get better at trying to just tune in to kind of the wider world, but also you tune into yourself at the same time, I think. One
0: hundred percent. Yeah, I can relate to that. And that's what happened. So I realized during this DJ course that I needed to work in music. Mm-hmm. I didn't have I don't know if you've ever tried to change direction in the mid like of your
1: career in the middle of your career
0: have you tried to do that
1: I've ended up doing the shuffle thing because it is really hard you're always so employable for the exact job you're already doing (laughs)
0: exactly And there's no, there's no uh, ability to be like, oh, what I learned there is transferable there. And there's no sense of that. So I, do you know what? I tried so hard to change the direction of my career. Should I tell you how hard I tried? Yeah,
1: take me through.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So cover letters weren't working. So I decided it was a brilliant idea to do video cover letters. So I spent days making videos of myself for different organizations that I thought were cool that I wanted to work for. And I was just like chatting away, like watch my video. This is me. And not one response, by the way, not one pick up on that. And then I, through this DJ course, realized that, you know, one of my dream labels to work At is Brownswood Recordings. And Giles Peterson is one of my icons in the sense of musical teacher and inspiration. And I was just like, that makes sense. But if I'm going to do it, I want to work. My dream label is Brownswood. Back to square one, back to that situation of I don't have music in my title. So Mm -hmm. how am I going to wangle that? So basically I, I was like, do you know what? I'll do whatever I need to do. And I said I would do an internship. So I applied for an internship and basically just worked really, really hard to get a meeting, got a meeting. It was like, you've got to be in London. if you got, You've got to be here if you want to do that. So that's when I packed up and I moved back. And then I really like fought hard in my heart but also you know economically Mm. and physically I worked hard to be able to make that a reality so I did an internship and then I worked a year as a freelance music professional so I was doing management I was assistant management project coordinator tour manager and then I moved to tour manager and DJ. So one of the managers I was working for realized that I could DJ. And she had a South African singer who needed a tour manager and a DJ. And she was like, do you want to do both? And I was like, okay. you <laughs> know, <laughs> <laughs> So that was an experience. We went on tour with, um, have you heard of Diane Wart? Yes. Yeah. So they are a pretty out there avant-garde group, but we went on tour around
1: Russia and Eastern Europe and Germany. How was that? um, Was that exciting? Did that feel like a moment where you were like, my life is different to what it was (laughs) a couple of
0: years? Yeah. I was playing in front of like ten to 12,000 people in Moscow and it was just, it was just beyond. And also in Germany, it was like a stadium. Um, in Hungary, you know, I'm like starting everyone doing this and then there's like the whole stadium doing this. I was like, this is insane.
1: (laughs) Did you have to shuffle your music around to suit? Yeah. Well, I had to, I was
0: not playing the music that I usually play. So um, so the singer who I was working with, her name's Moonchild Sonelli and she plays gom music, which is South African party music. Mm -hmm. And Um, You know, she's worked with DJ Mofisa and like Skrillex. So it's very different from what I play. But, you know, the experience that I gained from that was beyond. And I don't know if you've ever tried to DJ with jazz or broken beats, which are two of my favorite genres, but anything else is easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. trying, trying to mix a jazz track or a broken beat track is well so they're hard. not
1: they're definitely not made for DJing. That's what I always think. Like electronic music is literally set up yeah. to just be mixed. You've got like so much time to do a mix and stuff. So I imagine jazz they didn't make it thinking like this is gonna be <laughs> used. <Yeah. to> <laughs> But it was a great
0: experience and it wasn't the type of music that I am um, used to or that I listened to myself. But the experience and the people that I was work- working with was great. So, you know, I could not fault that experience. It was the most incredible experience. Anyway, just it was a lot. (laughs) But this is this is but this all led me to, you know, once I worked in a different world, because I was also working with a major label at that time and I was working with Live Nation, which is a big touring corporate environment. So it was very different to what I was used to during my internship at Brownswood. In my head, I thought I didn't study this at university, so this is my schooling. I have to take every opportunity and use every opportunity that comes my way because this is my training. So I probably
1: did about 10 years of training in a year and a half. Your attitude to it probably really helped you get through the tough bits, but there must have been some tough bits. What were the harder bits of it?
0: Well, there's a lot. If I think about it, I went from, you know, being a marketing professional and a project manager to an intern yeah so I completely sacrificed my career progression, my prior experience, and it's interesting because I think what gave me the edge to do well in what I'm doing now is the fact that I had that experience, mm. you know that thing where you know we were just talking about where you can't swap in between jobs, yeah, but all of the things that have worked to my benefit have been things that I learned through those jobs that I hated for so many years, yeah and a realization moment of like, oh yeah, you know, like when you're going through tough times and then you, you think, why am I going through this? And then you come out of those good times and you look back and then you're like, oh, that's why. <laughs> it makes sense.
1: That's so true. When you're going through it, you're like, I, I, I don't know what this is teaching me. This is just horrible. And then, and then you're like, okay, this needed to trigger certain things in me or certain lessons. And you know, I wouldn't have yeah. any changes if I hadn't gone through that. Yeah, exactly. So
0: there was uh, lots of that. But the tough times, you know, working freelance is really tough because you're all you're thinking constantly is like, can I make rent at the end of the month, you know, and that becomes the thing. And especially as a creative, as a woman, usually we're not We're not used to saying, I need this amount of money. Like if you want me to do this or if I'm working, you know, if I'm going to work with you, this is my fee and I'm not going to do stuff for free. I can't go any lower than what that fee is because it's not possible living in London, especially. So that was quite difficult. Um, You know, I'm very grateful that I managed. I worked really, really hard, but I managed to keep money flowing but I can't say that I didn't feel stressed as a freelancer thinking about how I'm going to make rent at the end of the month because I I definitely did experience that and I wouldn't recommend that anybody DJs as an artist and tour managers at the same time that's not a not a good idea Don't do that you
1: don't get to switch (laughs) off or play no exactly I just do my
0: other job it's like sound check, get ready for sound check. Oh, I'm in the sound check. Okay, get out of the sound check. It's like, get ready to perform in front of tens of thousands of people. So that was a lot. But like I said, that was like my turbo training in the music industry. Coming back and working, finally getting a full time position at Brownswood after a year, just over a year of like freelancing. Mm-hmm. Was such a great benefit because that's like my family, you know? Yeah. That's your people,
1: that's your place. That's my people, yeah. I found my tribe. So you sort of ended the freelancing period and then rejoined the team at Brownswood. And because worldwide radio and Brownswood are obviously so connected, did you start one and then do the other, or how does it work in your life? So I had absolutely
0: zero experience in radio. And I think through Mixed Nights, one of my first experiences was um, either covering a show or guesting on a show. And I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was with somebody else and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go for it and figure it out. So a lot of this is fearlessness. So I had an opportunity to support Giles on his BBC Six Music show. And it was basically supporting the producer doing like social media. So you get thrown in a room with the producer, Giles, at Six Music off Oxford Street in London. And it's just like you are in school. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) you know, you're watching, you're watching firsthand a master at work, a master of radio at work, you know? So I was just like a sponge. I was just like absorbing everything in. Then I realized after a few months that I wanted to do radio myself. So I started at a community radio station in Tottenham called Threads Radio. So last year I had my show Jazz and Ting. Yeah, I started then at the, towards the end of last year jumping in to support um, because the worldwide crew knew that I did radio and I think they liked my radio shows they would ask me to cover for some daily shows you know if somebody couldn't make it just uh, jump in and I'm like of course you know fearlessness again <laughs> yeah, of course. and then they offered me a, a slot like a regular show which I've been doing now since the beginning of May so it's still really new And obviously going from a monthly show to a weekly show is very different.
1: Yes, in terms
0: Um, of prep, that's quite a big change. It's a massive jump. So I'm learning so many skills. What I am doing is acquiring new bows to my string, or is it string to my bows? Strings to your bow.
1: Both (laughs) work. work. Bows to your string sounds grander. Like it sounds like you're finessing your strings with bows, (laughs) which I like. Yeah, that's cool, actually. Are you good at switching off? I've got lots of good friends who are
0: telling me to switch off. (laughs) So they're like, I'm giving you some friendly advice. Take a break. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I'm realising, you know, I was talking the other day to one of my colleagues and, and I haven't taken any time off during lockdown because I've been working full time the whole time from home. And, you know, on top of that, I started producing podcasts. We did a Brownswood Uncut series that I produced. We we recorded it at Red Bull in February, just before the lockdown. Mm-hmm. And then through the lockdown, I edited it and put it together and, you know, put it up on Spotify, etc. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I haven't stopped not once, actually, not even for like two days. The good thing is, is that now I know I can do my radio show from anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. I'm more comfortable to just be like, yeah, I can just pick up and, you know, go somewhere and chill. Yeah. Um, I am definitely going to take some time off soon. Usually in any circumstance, my release or my like the way that I relax and the way that I, you know, let off steam is through dancing and live music. I'm like always out parties, live gigs, anything. And I haven't had that release during Mm. lockdown because it hasn't been happening. So (laughs) that hasn't been an option. There hasn't, there's not even a little bit, but I really do, like you say, need to take some time to step back. I guess when you're living your passion, it's hard to Mm. stop because it's just your passion. Like I love making my radio show like every week. I love listening to music. I love engaging with producers and artists that I want to get on my show. Like I've got an amazing turntableist and producer and DJ who's made a mix of all her own music from my show on Saturday. Mm. So that's just incredible to be able to give that space and give them not necessarily a platform, but give them space to express themselves is just it's great.
1: Yeah. And the thing is with creative stuff, you're never it's not a task that is done. There's so much you can do and almost the more you do, the more ideas you get. So, you know, people from the outside and friends might be like, you've, you've done really well. You've done all this, like calm down. You're like, no, 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 because it's, it's like, yeah, you know, the ideas are so up in here. I know, but
0: another project that I've taken on during lockdown is I've become an artist manager. So I now manage a singer, her name's mm-hmm. Sarah Gurr, and I've been managing her since March. And we've already put out two releases. She's an emerging artist and absolutely one to watch. She's incredible. So being able to manage her and support her has just been such an incredible and rewarding experience. Um, She's a dream to work with, but she's also super talented and she's absolutely going to make huge waves in the music industry. How did she come on your radar in the first place? She was actually a guest on my Jazz and Ting radio show last summer. So she came on and she uh was invited by one of the guests that I'd invited who was a promoter for um, Pizza Express Live in Soho. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so um so she invited her on and then we just connected and then she released self-released her EP and that was last November, but I think around like September time. August, September time, you know, I met up with her for a drink and we just like chatted about things that she should think about and what's important and priorities and stuff. And we just kept a connection. We just stayed connected. And, you know, I think she always, you know, wanted me to manage her, to work with her, but I was like overwhelmed with a lot of work. So I was like, no, but then, you know, it's been a deep desire of mine to support. And I think I'm good at helping, supporting, encouraging artists. I'd be getting more involved in a A&R, mm-hmm. artist development, um, talent discovery. I've been getting more involved in that recently as well. So it's a natural
1: progression, I think. I really wanted to bring your expertise in really on the process of breaking artists and the importance of having platforms for new artists. Because I think for people who have been in the music industry for a long time, they understand just quite how much talent is out there. But I think when I sometimes talk to my friends or people that I know, it's almost like they don't realize quite the depth and breadth of amazing artists and musicians that are out there in the world, because there's sort of this narrow funnel that sometimes gets through in the mainstream. And I know that Brownswood, that's a big part of what it's about is giving space for new talent and also talent who might be known for one thing you know, who want to experiment and do something else. And obviously, if you were so drawn to that label, I'd love to hear from you about what that means to you and different ways that the artists do break through.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? Because there's definitely a trajectory that I'm still learning about. There's an artist trajectory that you kind of, think about I've started to notice a certain pattern and I think that comes with experience as well but you know there's definitely platforms like Brownswood is just like so supportive of new artists and like first EPs and you know we also work very closely with our artist development and talent discovery program called Future Bubblers Mm -hmm. and I don't know if you've heard of that but
1: it's a lot of people um credit it as either people that they worked with or people who came on their radar. It's one of those themes that seems to have incredible success in terms of actually really empowering people.
0: Yeah, exactly. So we, at the end of that Future Bubblers course, we put out a record of all of their music. So a compilation. Some of the artists that we work with, Skinny Palembe, um, now Forest Law, we sign them, you know, so we've got Future Bubblers we very much are artist focused whenever we work with an artist it's always about you know their development and speaking their truth I also work with another organization called Jazz Refreshed and they're also very key in providing a platform for Jazz, but also kind of like neo-soul, electronic jazz fusion that all of the incredible artists we're celebrating today, you know, like Nabaya Garcia and Moses Boyd and Kamal Williams and Yusuf Days all came through. Like I think everybody has played first gigs at Jazz Refreshed or have first experiences there. So that platform is just like, has also a very special place in my heart. I think it's very incredible work that they do. You know, myself personally and what I choose, how I choose to put my shows together, how I choose to express myself creatively through my radio shows is very much about supporting emerging artists and creating that space for them is very important to me, but it's not only really important to me, it's very natural. It mm. comes very natural to me. It's, it's not a conscious thing. It's like, let me just see who I can support and shine some light on. But also, you know, in terms of artist development, what I do rate from artists is this get up and go self-made, attitude, you know, self-releasing EPs and putting together bands, putting together tours and just like getting out on the road. All of that kind of stuff I like rate highly because it shows a drive, it shows a passion, it shows an enthusiasm. It's great that I can look at things in that way and see people's struggles, you know, or people, you know, what they find difficult and And I'm quite naturally uh, inclined to support them where they have those gaps. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. And sometimes, you know, I wonder this, but I think that even when you get to a stage where you have a whole team around you, you still need that get up and go. Still so much of it's going to come down to you. So I think for a label or someone looking to manage someone, it's kind of reassuring to know that someone is committed enough to have gone through that before you then come on board and kind of say, okay, we can actually help you with some of this stuff.
0: It's super important for an artist to go through that because it develops them as an artist. And that's the kind of person you want to work with. Somebody who is not necessarily knows who they are yet, because that's not always the case. You know, some people are still finding their sound in their way, but somebody who is taking responsibility for that and taking ownership, that all the tools are there for success but you just need to like use them.
1: I didn't grow up around jazz and I know a little bit about jazz, but nothing like what you know. So I wondered if you could give me a little bit of a intro to jazz. If you were to say, you know, these are five people you should a hundred percent go and spend some time listening to. And this is what the scene's like now. Tell me. Oh, that's really difficult. I know. Uh, Because,
0: you know, the the, the thing is with me is I think globally, my show is global. So, Mm. you know, I can go from India to Africa to America to Singapore, you know, it's just like
1: Australia. So, okay. Just as a starting point, what compiles of a jazz record to you? Like, is it certain instruments that it has to have in it? No, it's got to be vibey. And that, that's the thing. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's just got to have a
0: vibe. So it can be from anywhere in the world, but it needs to be a vibe. And what I'm heavily involved in is like the London scene, which is developing all the time. But there's like some incredible vocalists, you know, there's pop. Pete Aduja, there's Zara McFarlane who I work with at Brownswood there's Sarah Gurr who I'm managing now there's a lot of incredible vocalists there's instrumentalists, the UK scene is more instrumental than it is vocalists so you'll hear you know, less vocals, less like singers, more like Nabaya Garcia, I will say here again because she is definitely one to listen to if you haven't already. Again, I'm just gonna say, I think I already said that Moses Boyd is an absolute don. Uh he's a drummer and there's a incredible group called uh Naraya or Naria, sorry. They're a bit more traditional, but they are an incredible band. Oh, there's so many. Kokoroko who are like an Afrobeat jazz band who I work with, who I'm in love with. They are incredible. Oh God, there's just like so many. Who else would I shout at? Obviously, my favorite drummer is Yusuf Days. And I have been listening to uh, Ruby Rushton recently, who is Tendalonius and they're good to check out. So that would give you like a broad range. There's also more like electronic-y jazz that is also like a a different flavor, but very much in the same world. And I would recommend you listen to Quake Bass. He's got this incredible um, record called Dem Ones. That's such an experimental jazz, but like electronic thing. One of my other favorite artists is called Neu Graphique. He's got a really incredible record out on Total Refreshment Center called Foden Road, and that's a nice snapshot. Steam down. I don't know if you've heard of Steam down, but if you haven't, they've got a track out called uh, "Free My Skin," and they were doing um, up until the lockdown, which is also a little bit sad. They were doing weekly improv jazz fusion sessions. So I'm talking like jazz, grime, hip hop, soul, like everything, and then you awesome. go into this like it was literally, you know, like when you're dripping with sweat. Yeah. <laughs> Jumping. It's not even so. I wrote an article in this music magazine called Loose Lips, and I wrote it about mosh pit jazz. And mosh pit jazz is literally that. It's like you think you're going to listen to some jazz. No. You will (laughs) go jump up and down, like lose your head, get punched in the face. It's just all happening. In terms of a snapshot of London, Steam Down is definitely one. So obviously, like all over the world, I've got a shout out Kamasi Washington. I've got to shout out one of my favorite, favorite jazz uh, record labels, apart from Brownswood, is the <laughs> International Anthem. Everything on their roster is phenomenal. And there's another amazing saxophonist called Lakeisha Benjamin from America mm-hmm. and a drummer who I also work with called Casa Overall. In Africa, there's an incredible Nigerian trumpeter called Etuk Obong. And that's kind of like jazz Afrobeat. And I love that. It's Mm -hmm. so good. But his is a lot more political and very strong, like very uh, powerful music. And then another of my favorite South African jazz artists is called Pandi Ntuli, who I recently had on one of my radio shows. Um, Incredible pianist, composer, uh, singer phenomenal can I just say one more yeah one more I've got to do another continent because otherwise I won't live this
1: (laughs) yeah go global real global (laughs) yeah
0: so the other continent is Australia and we've put out this amazing record on Brownswood called Sunnyside Air and got to have a snapshot of what's going on in Melbourne oh beautiful music You need to check out Horatio Luna amazing bass player, producer, amazing. Um, Silent Jay, who is also, uh, he's a saxophonist, but an amazing producer. And everyone from that scene, that kind of like Melbourne scene, is just, oh, the music is absolutely phenomenal. Got a shout out Kozic as well, because he's an awesome drummer. So I could go on and on. No, but that
1: honestly is amazing, because it's just like, I come from, my world is like hip hop and more like raw stuff but I think so much of what I listen to is jazz influence and I was like I just haven't really don't really know where to start or I haven't really listened to you yeah. now I feel like and everyone listening we've got a whole plethora yeah. of continents of different music
0: yeah please check out if you are of a hip-hop like vibe yeah. Casper overall fuses jazz and hip-hop so well Please check him out. He's a, a jazz drummer, but a producer, and his collaboration combination of uh, of hip hop and jazz is phenomenal.
1: I'll start there, and also, did you say was it Steam Down the London? Steam yeah.
0: Down. that was. I'm interested in them. That sounds track called "Free My Skin," and they also did a session on Jules Holland, which I think you can find on YouTube.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Oh, and I should mention, in terms of jazz and platforms, I should have mentioned this when I said. Jazz Refreshed as well is Tomorrow's Warriors and I don't know if you've heard of them but it's a charity that offers free jazz training to teenagers and I didn't say Ezra Collective oh my god so Ezra Collective you, they're another one you have to check out Ezra I think Collective. I, ha- I think I have heard of Ezra Collective. There you go you would have the, yeah. yeah so Tomorrow's Warriors is the organization where all of these like Amazing jazz musicians that I've just talked about. Most of them came through that program, they were met at that program, and then they made all these bands. And then it's like it's a whole thing.
1: That's Um, crazy, though. That shows the importance of programs like that. Yeah, it's like fueling a
0: scene. Exactly. And Janine Irons and Gary Crosby have been instrumental in a lot of um, the incredible music that I work with that we're experiencing at the moment so I can't say anything without mentioning them mm. that was a big question that you asked me though so it if was there was a anyone question I forgot, it was huge so anyone I forgot you know you're in my heart I love you
1: <laughs> she doesn't mean it, I mean it. <laughs> you do matter brownswood i think i've been doing really great stuff using digital platforms and live channels how have you found that switch and any lessons what do you think makes a good online recording versus a versus a live show Yes. So, oh, the, the difficult thing is nobody
0: can help the artist when they're setting up their like yeah. live sessions. And usually they, there's a whole team because I produce the Brownsville Basement sessions. So I know what it is to like make a video uh make, you know, how to make that session. And we're not able to have that support for the artists at the moment. So mm-hmm. they're kind of figuring it out on their own. And uh, I guess it's just like trial and error. And what I have seen a lot of really good things that platforms like worldwide fm and also i did a live stream with a liverpool creative platform called uh, melodic distraction and they had like a really good step by step instruction kind of manual of how to self produce you know like a video or, or whatever you're doing so that's been good it's interesting because i produced an event uh, online event for international jazz day with clash and you know it's just kind of like behind a screen like a little hamster like <laughs> to organize everything usually you're like running around yeah and this is like I think I got some strain from trying to like type so fast but obviously you know it's, I love live music live music
1: mm.
0: is fuels so much of what we do and the artists that I support so I don't think we can really take away from that and I don't really think we can also compare I think people are having to do what they need to do stay connected to their audience
1: okay so I want to just go kind of deep for a second and just parting wisdom lessons from life obviously we talked about some of them in the beginning so the first thing I wanted to ask is does it mean something to you to kind of leave an imprint on the world? And uh, if so, what do you want that to be?
0: I definitely want to leave an imprint on the world. And I'm definitely passionate about equality. And I really feel like the events of the past couple of weeks with the Black Lives Matter protests and with, you know, the racial and social injustice, you know, that's happened, that sparked these, these protests and also police brutality and everything, you know, I'm so sad for the people that have lost their lives. Um, but I want to really express that, that life wasn't in vain. And so as a result of that, I really am passionate about finding a way, especially in the music industry, to promote and, uh, you know, create opportunities that promote equality and that mm. promote like social and racial kind of go against the structural and systematic racism and social prejudice that's getting in the way of that equality. I'll always fight on the the side of the underdog and I'll always fight in my heart on the side of injustice. That's something that I'm absolutely passionate about. So in terms of uh, leaving a mark on the world, if I feel like in my world... I'm able to have those conversations and I'm grateful for that and I'll I'll never stop doing that.
1: I mean definitely the past few weeks have been I think an education for so so many people and almost just the eye opener that the world needed. Everything we've been doing has just been nowhere near good enough. So I think it's been tough but the kind of tough that we all needed. What are some of the things you know now that maybe you wish you'd known before? I was really good at music stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like in the grand scheme of things, I'm all about no regrets. So things that I would have loved to have known then was really like, I guess, to follow my heart and to, and to really focus on like what my passions were I think to be fair actually that's a lie because I've always focused on my passions and I feel like when I was younger I was really passionate about partying and having a good time but as a DJ that works in my favor because I was always the party girl on the other side so now I know what people want Mm, yeah I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't have changed a thing
1: and then the final question I wanted to ask is if I were to give you your like dream day in five years time, what would that be? And it, it might be grand, but it might also just be like, <laughs> I lie in till 11 and then.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I've been having, this is my lockdown dream that, that I had <laughs> was me on a boat with like beautiful sea. So there was like the sea and it was just like blue and gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And I was sat on a boat on the deck with my computer. And I was just like working away quite happily on the deck of a boat and the sun was shining. So I think if in five years time, I can achieve be that. There. It's
1: so funny because I think, um, when I think of my dream days, I'm always working in them. It's not like I'm not working. It's just like, I'll be working, but just only on the bits of stuff that I like and also with a view that is just phenomenal. And yeah, the sun's shining.
0: <laughs> that's what I have. That's what I have. <laughs> so yeah, that's my, that's my thing. That's the <laughs> thing What I've realised as well during lockdown is that quality of life has always been important to me, but it's really important to me mm. um, as a as a core fundament of life. You know, I want to have a good quality of life or I want to work towards a good quality of life. Mm. So, you know, I hope in five years' time that I can happily say that in my own unique way, you know, I've achieved that quality of life that I want in um, no compromises, you know.
1: Mm. Lani, thank you so much. Thank you for being so open and sharing your journey and your challenges, but also your victories, as well as all the amazing artists that we all need to go away and just like spend a little bit of time getting to know. Where can people find you? And also it would be great if you could tell people where they can listen to your show. So um, I don't know the
0: URL, but if you type in Google, it's it's on World Wide FM and it's the full joy experience with Lani. And so you'll find me on uh, all my shows on the World Wide FM website and on Mixcloud as well. I also am on Instagram. So it's Alana with a H-A-L-A-N-N-A-H-3-N-R-Y.
1: And Facebook is Lani Official. And hopefully, either whether it's at the end of this year or early next year, who knows, you'll be sharing some amazing live events that people can go down to and get sweaty. <laughs> well,
0: I- mosh pit jazz wait
1: I literally cannot
0: wait mosh pit jazz vibes like everyone's going to be going absolutely nuts after this but thank you so much for having me as well I really appreciate you asking me to be a part of your
1: podcast no thank you so much thank you so much for joining us and thank you everyone for listening and we will catch you next week bye what up let's we on the eyes on the prizes, no surprise, good women were destined to rise, inspiring, celebrating, uplifting the new generation, some hot girls, you know the vibe, all the hot girls come alive, all the hot girls, you know the vibe, all my hot girls come alive.